Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, January 25th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The U.S. has signaled a more confrontational stance towards Russia after Moscow cracked down on protesters over the weekend. In the U.S., Democrats in the Senate say they want a deal on a $1.9 trillion stimulus plan before taking up Donald Trump's impeachment trial. The WHO warns richer countries that they face a hit to their own recoveries if they fail to help the developing world roll out vaccines. Plus, the technology for self-driving cars has turned out to be a grind. I'm Brendan Greeley, in for Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. In Russia this weekend, police in riot gear and balaclavas detained more than 2,000 demonstrators after the country saw some of the largest protests in years. The U.S. State Department has demanded the release of Alexei Navalny, the opposition leader. The president of Poland has also urged the EU to step up its sanctions on Russia. Mr. Navalny was jailed last week after he returned to Moscow from Germany, where he had recovered from an assassination attempt. Tens of thousands of Russians responded by flooding the streets in more than 100 cities across the country. In Moscow's central Pushkin Square, crowds stretched for kilometers in all directions. They clogged up sidewalks and spilled into the streets. Several protesters told the Financial Times they had never attended a rally before, but were galvanized by how the Kremlin had treated Mr. Navalny. One university student told the FT, I'm sick of all this stuff. Putin has been in power my entire life, and I don't see any hope for the country. In Washington, Joe Biden's first legislative priority as president is a $1.9 trillion spending package. There is also, however, the open question of an impeachment trial in the Senate for a former president. James Politi is the FT's Washington bureau chief. I asked him which comes first, impeachment or stimulus? We don't know. The impeachment trial is going to start sort of in earnest uh, the week of February 8th. We think uh, probably February 9th. You know, the negotiations on the relief package, uh, $1.9 trillion, are kind of off to a start today. Brian Deese, the new head of the National Economic Council at the White House, was meeting with 16 senators from both parties to see if they could reach a deal. And they're going to try to get there in the next two weeks, but it's going to be tough. So are we looking at a negotiated down relief package of perhaps $1 trillion, or are we looking at the possibility of no new relief package at all? It's hard to tell. There are certain elements of the package that Republicans are, are I think, ready to embrace. Potentially an increase in direct stimulus checks. Uh, Congress just passed uh, $600 in relief, and uh, President Biden is pushing for an extra 1400 to bring the total to 2000 Some Republicans have accepted that and supported that because President Trump was uh, supportive of it. So that's something that could get through. Um, there are a few other provisions, for instance, funding for schools uh, to reopen or for a, an acceleration of the vaccination program. Those are kind of, you know, more popular uh, provisions among among Republicans potentially, but they certainly do not seem ready to accept the whole deal. So um, I think it's hard to um, envisage a negotiated deal that will be over a trillion. But then it gets down to whether uh, the Democrats decide to abandon any 
negotiations with the Republicans because they're being too difficult and try to pass something on their own, in which case a bigger package sort of suddenly comes into play again, as long as conservative Democrats go along with it. So it's a complicated jigsaw puzzle. That was James Politi, the FT's Washington bureau chief. Advanced economies will need to help the developing world speed up vaccinations unless they want to see a hit to their own economic recoveries. According to a report from the World Health Organization, if the vaccine rollout in developing countries stays on its current path, advanced economies could see a drop in their own output of up to 3.5% of GDP. The pandemic continues to disrupt global trade and supply chains. Developing countries provide what economists call intermediate goods, components of final products. If poorer countries don't get vaccines or get them late, according to the report, they won't supply intermediate goods and they won't buy final products. The WHO has also warned of what it calls a catastrophic moral failure as vaccination programs in the developing world fall farther behind. 2020 was supposed to be the year of the self-driving vehicle. Several companies expected to have tens of thousands of driverless cars on the road by now. That did not happen. But there's still momentum. Patrick McGee is the FT's San Francisco correspondent. He spoke with the news briefing's Mark Filipino about the company at the forefront of self-driving technology, Waymo. So, Patrick, I want to first remind listeners that Waymo is like a sister company to Google. It started 11 years ago as one of Google's moonshot projects, right? What was the thinking back then? So Google, basically, with all the cash that they generated, they thought, what are some crazy things that we can do with this money that may or may not pan out into a real business? And Waymo was, I think, the second, if not the first company to basically spin out and to be its own real unit. And despite its dashed ambitions, you write that 2020 was the most significant year for Waymo. What do you mean? Waymo is the only driverless company globally to now have what you could call a driverless ride hailing service. Now, there's an asterisk almost immediately. It's in southeastern Phoenix. It's confined to one area, but it's a fleet of about 300 vehicles and ordinary people can do it. You know, a tourist. You and I could show up in Chandler, Arizona today with the Waymo app, just like an Uber app, and we can hail a driverless car. That's not true anywhere else in the world from any other company. Does Waymo have any competition? Who else is developing this kind of technology? I mean, gosh, so many companies are involved in this. I mean, there used to be um, a, a famous comment from Sheryl Sandberg that she felt that Facebook was the only company in Silicon Valley not developing a driverless car. Um, what's really happened is that, you know, back in 2015, Waymo was kind of the outlier as, you know, being supported by Google in this race. And then you had a whole bunch of smaller companies. They've basically all been scooped up and acquired in recent years, right? So Cruise was a startup that got acquired by General Motors. Argo AI got acquired by Volkswagen and Ford. The sort of last startup remains Aurora, and they actually just absorbed the Uber self-driving unit. So there's just been a lot of consolidation in the industry. But Google was really the first back in 2009. They've done the most autonomous miles. They're valued at more than $30 billion, which is by far the most. So really the onus is on somebody else to prove that they can beat Waymo. Now, Patrick, when I think of driverless cars, I think I often think about virtual reality, right? It's this technology that's supposed to be right around the corner, right around the corner, and it never comes. So what's holding up driverless cars? I mean, the sympathetic answer is to say that the reason driverless cars aren't really roaming us around city by city right now is that the companies are being really safe and methodical. 
Um, the more cynical thing is that they let the hype cycle get way ahead of themselves a few years ago. And this is something that John Kravchik, the CEO of Waymo, basically admitted to me. He said, you know, we had a, a prototype of a driverless vehicle in 2015. And so using our sort of 80 year history in the combustion engine era, we sort of thought, well, we've got this one prototype and now it'll just take us a couple of years to scale it. And then as they did that, they realized just that the complications is just so much more difficult. So, I mean, Don Amon, the, the CEO of, of Cruise, told me last year that, you know, to have one self-driving car roam around the block is one accomplishment. And to actually deploy a driverless service of, you know, 100 of those vehicles is probably 10,000 times more difficult. John Kravchik is basically saying the same thing. He, he kept comparing self-driving cars to, to space, right? That launching a rocket sort of pales in comparison to the difficulty of launching um, a self-driving yeah. car network. He told me that 99% <laughs> accuracy is nowhere good enough. It needs to be 99.99999. Because obviously, if you think of having, you know, let's say you have a thousand driverless cars and they're all operating at 99% accuracy, multiplied by thousands of passengers. I mean, that that 1% error rate is going to be a lot of dead bodies real quick. Do you think that driverless cars and trucks will ever become mainstream? I don't think there's actually any real question that it'll become mainstream. But, you know, there was a time when people thought this was months away. And now it sounds ambitious to say you'll have it by 2030. I mean, few technologies have the power to reshape cities the way that driverless vehicles do. But even in Phoenix, where people can literally take a driverless Waymo right now, I don't think anybody would claim that their quality of life has somehow improved, right? There's this massive disconnect between this, these cars rolling out and the revolution that was promised. I mean, basically, there were supposed to be more than 100,000 driverless vehicles on the road by last year. And the reality is that there's about 300 of them in a single suburban city in Phoenix. Patrick McGee is the FT's San Francisco correspondent. He spoke to Mark Filipino. You can read more on all these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.